Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. I truly hope this finds each of you so very well. I'm speaking to you from my studio in West Orange, New Jersey. Absolutely delighted to have this opportunity to interview the highly sought after intuitive guide, healer, and transformation coach, Allison Roberts. Allison will be speaking to us today from Atlanta, Georgia. Allison is a cognitive behavioral expert with a global reach and over 25 years of experience. She has been featured on major networks, radio broadcasts, newspapers, podcasts on both live and virtual stages, and today she is featured on Grief and Rebirth podcast. As the creator of Personalized Science, a system that combines science and spirituality, Allison's mission is to show others how the brain keeps us prisoners to the past, and more importantly, teach the tools to break out of unhealthy life patterns and cycles. Allison wants to show people how they are the power source for their own life. And with the help of their spiritual team, they can become the most powerful version of themselves. So stay tuned, everyone, because you're going to learn how to become the most powerful version of yourself today. The author of three books, Allison's newest, titled Behind the Power, Raw Courage to Triumph Over Challenges and Connect with What's Possible hit 8amazon.com bestseller list at its debut. The book brings together an authentic, profound compilation of women's voices. Each of these women faced a life-changing crossroads and chose to follow her inner voice, strength, and bravery. Each outcome, while different, has one common denominator, trusting in the universe. I'm looking forward to interviewing Allison about the importance of becoming the boss of our brain, her program called Unapologetic Power, and her most recent book titled Behind the Power, Raw Courage to Triumph Over Challenges and Connect with What's Possible with its refreshing take on trauma and how to finally heal it. This interview has the potential to be an illuminating guide for each of our personal journeys towards rebirth. Hey, Allison, a very warm, heartfelt welcome to Grief and Rebirth podcast. It's so great to be here. I'm so excited. I am too. I mean, this is just going to be such, I just know we're going to have just a great time and a great time. So let's start with this question. Please tell us about the childhood abuse, abandonment, and later adult abuse that inspired you to help others understand that we are powerful beyond our circumstances. Yeah, the child abuse was rough. Um, It was rough. Uh, It it actually started um, in my mother's womb. Uh, 
Um, she tried to abort me because um, it wasn't, uh, I was the, the child from an affair that she had with a, with a minister who had one of the largest churches in Atlanta at the time. So um, the abortion didn't, didn't take, obviously, because I'm sitting here. You were meant um, to be. You were meant to be with us. Meant to be, yes. I didn't feel that way for much of my entire childhood, but I, I definitely do now. Uh, at, the, at the age of 56, I can finally say that I'm, I am supposed to be here for sure. But um, so my, my dad was absent, um, not my biological father, but the man who, who was my mom's husband. He was, he was pretty much absent my entire childhood because, you know, I would learn at the age of 42 that I'm not his biological child. So um, it explained a lot of why he wasn't emotionally available to me, loved me dearly, but just wasn't there. My mother is a, um, a raging narcissist. So we were beaten. We were emotionally abused we were deprived we were neglected who is we you had siblings also yes i i had siblings that that tromped through this war uh (laughs) alongside me but my mother pitted us against each other and so um to this day we are estranged and um it's just it's it's very sad and when you um i always tell everybody you know we, we have two states of being Um, disempowered or empowered and when you're a child and you're 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 going through daily abuse I mean it wasn't just like every once in a while like this was like daily abuse horrible yeah it was was very very bad and um, you feel very disempowered and and the, 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 one of the main reasons that I do the work that I do is that, first of all, you know, adult survivors of child abuse, there is PTSD involved with that. But also, too, there's not a magic flip that switches when we turn 18 or 20 or 25 or 30 or 35 where the abuse stops because we are now adults. Um, we are still their children. And so therefore the child abuse continues. Um, and, and that wounded inner child is still inside of you too. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. And so there came a point where, and I'm on, uh, I'm on TikTok. I currently have about 3 million views of all of my um, videos and I, people can find me there and, and like watch the whole story. But um you know, the, the point that I had to come to finally was just cutting, cutting her off, you know, and my, my father died in 2017 and your uh, natural father or your stepfather, my stepfather. Um, and he and I made amends, uh, before, before he left this earth. And then my biological father actually died from COVID, um, in April, but I tracked him down and, um, he was very abusive as well. So it's just, you know, it's just like this triad of, of abuse from these parents who were quote unquote, you know, supposed to love me. Um, and it can just really mess you up. 
And because you're internalized the message, you're not lovable, you're not worthy. Yeah. And, you know, um, I trademarked the word shilt. I don't know if you knew that or not, but it's the combination of shame and guilt. And so you, you go around in this shilted state of like shame. There's inevitably something wrong with me. I mean, there has to be right. And then guilt of that. You can never make a good decision. You can never do anything right. And so when you're in abuse, that's what your parent convinces you like every single day, every minute, every breath that you breathe through your body that, you know, there's, you, you are bad and you do everything wrong. And so you're just in this state of shield and it's, it takes a lot of work to get out of. You're not kidding. You're not a lot of internal work. Weren't you also abandoned where you were living in your car for a while? <laughs> yes. Uh, so I was like, oh my goodness, how much more? Yeah, I know. Um, so I um, I found the, the, the guy that I thought was like the love of my life. I ran out of gas um, in my little Volkswagen on the side of the road and he he drove in and his, you know, pickup truck and rescued me and filled up my car. And we were inseparable after that. And I moved in with him. He put a ring on my finger. We were engaged to be married. And then I failed a pregnancy test. And Uh-oh. yeah, and I went to him. And at first he was like so excited, you know, um, he was trolling me around and we, we stayed up for like the whole night, like saying, you know, is it a boy, is it a girl, what do you think, blah, blah, the whole thing. And then he told his dad. And the second he told his dad, it changed everything. And I was given a check to go to an abortion clinic. And listen, for those of you that are, that are tuning in, I am 10,000% pro-choice. I'm just going to, I'm just going to say it out loud. Like I believe it's a woman's body, a woman's choice. And, and for me, I couldn't go through with it because we had conceived this, this baby in love. Like I, I was in love with him. I was in love with this child. Like I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. So I left the abortion clinic and lied, which was really wrong. But I told, um, I told my fiance that I'd gone through with the abortion. And then a, a week later I started throwing up and then I had to confess to him that, you know, that I was still pregnant. And that's when everything just uh, fell apart. He kicked me out. Um, he, he and his dad actually changed the locks on the doors. Oh my um, God. Yeah. So it gets worse. So then I called my crazy mother on from a payphone and, and just begged her for me to please come home while I was just trying to figure some things out. I was in college. I was working full time. So I went home to live with her. And then when she heard me vomiting one day, she figured out that I was pregnant and I went to school. I went to campus and came home and she changed the locks. Twice on you. Oh, my God. Oh, Allison. But I heard this voice, you know, you know about this, Irene, the voices. And you know that when you hear the voices, you know, it's it's divine spirit. Right. You know, I mean, unless it's telling you to do something crazy, but that would be but, but this voice is very <laughs> divine. And this voice just told me, drive to school, 
park your car in the warmest part of the garage that you can find and go to sleep. And so I, I went back to campus. I went in the parking garage. I went all the way down to the basement level. I found the warmest corner of the garage I could find. I parked my car. And that is exactly where my car stayed for three weeks until I was rescued out of it. And how did you get rescued out of it? One of the professors at college realized that I was living in my car um, because I was going to class with the same clothes on day after day after day. So he started kind of watching me and he told his wife about me and she was like, you're go back to that garage and get that girl out of that car. So thank God for her. God rests both of their souls. They are not here on this planet anymore. Um, but yeah, they, they rescued me and they, they got me in touch with Catholic social services. And then things just kind of smoothed out a little bit after that. Wow. And you finally found some people who would be supportive of you and not think that you were contaminated in some way or horrible or yeah or free unbelievable unbelievable and then you also have a heart-wrenching story that led you to put your son up for adoption right and there was an amazing synchronistic way you found your back your way back to him 24 years later so mm -hmm. you felt that you had to put your son up for adoption yeah I just wasn't I mean I was in college I was you know I I, I quit my job um after I know Catholic social services, you know, I was, I was malnutritioned. I was exhausted. Um, they convinced me to take a leave from school and to quit my job and just to breathe and get into therapy. And they really, they really saved my life. Like they really, and, you know, I changed my whole degree because of that whole experience. But yes, I, I placed my son for adoption. Um, it was a closed adoption. It must have hurt you so much. It must oh my God, it ripped How my... much you wanted this child and it just... Yeah, it was, oh I tell God. everybody, like it was, it's absolutely the the, the, the most heart-wrenching thing I've ever been through in my entire life. I mean, I was... And you had heart-wrenching things. Yeah. Oh my God. But it was, it's such, but it's so beautiful and it's such a miracle at the same time because... There were so many miracles, little, not little, there were so many big miracles that happened like the whole time that I was pregnant with him um, and, and going through that whole process. And it was a closed adoption, um, which means that, you know, I knew nothing about his parents. They knew absolutely nothing about me. Um, but when I was in the hospital, the night that I was um, having to sign the adoption papers, I mean, I was just like oh screaming. God into my hospital pillow like I was just screaming and I would go down to the chapel and sit there and just like sob till I thought my eyeballs were gonna literally like come out of their socket and then I would walk back down to my hospital room thinking that I was calm and then I was just like screaming into my pillow again and then walking back down the chapel and finally I just I just said God I don't it's I wasn't suicidal, so I don't mean that I was going to kill myself, but I just didn't want to be here anymore. Well, you're in total despair. Yeah, I just didn't want to be here. And I just, I was just like, God, I do not know what to do. Like, I don't know what to do. You've led me through this whole process and you gave me like all these different miracles. And I am just, 
I'm on my, I'm like, I'm begging you. Like, I don't know what to do. And I heard the same voice who told me to drive to campus and park my car. I heard that very same voice again. And it said to me, Allison, like it spoke my name, which I don't know. For those of you who've like never had that experience of like divine, like speaking your name, not only does it get your attention, but it just like chills you to your bone marrow, you know? And so it just got my attention and I was just really still. And the voice was like, if you sign the papers, you'll see him again. Wow. And I was like, but it's a close adoption. If you sign the papers, you'll see him again. But that doesn't make any sense. The voice just kept saying it over and over. And then I picked up the pen. Just like with me, you just, you got the message and you went with, you went with it. Yeah, I just went with it. Yeah. And I I signed the adoption papers. Um, It still makes my voice quiver. So then 24 years later, um, it was the middle of the night and I felt my whole bed shake. And that voice was like, Allison, it's time. And I knew exactly what it meant. Like I didn't question it. I knew. Um, you know, so when I placed my son for adoption, there was no internet, there was no nothing. So now here I am 24 years later, I, I pull up my laptop at two o'clock in the morning. I pull up Catholic social services. I write, you know, the phone number's there. The person's name is there, everything. And as soon as I opened that morning, I called them and they were like, oh, we're so sorry. You know, it's going to we've had this just happen so many times and we just have to tell you it's going to take decades, you know, and she was really discouraging. And I was like, listen, I don't care. Like, just tell me the money I need to pay and all the things that I need to do. So I did everything that she said. I faxed my paperwork in and that was at nine o'clock in the morning and at 1230 the same day, my phone rang and it was Catholic social services and the woman on the other end was crying. Now she had already told me that morning, if you hear back from us quickly, it probably means that we found a death certificate. Oh my gosh. So she's crying and I just burst into tears. You think he's gone. Yep. She could barely speak, you know, and she was like, he's not dead. He's not dead. And I was just like, Okay. And I was like, well, I mean, what, what is it? What is it? Oh my God. Oh my God. And she's like, Allison, you faxed your paperwork in at the exact same time to find one another. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. How is, how astounding and fabulous. And you talk about there's no, there's no divine plan. There are no synchronicities. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was. It's just, it's so incredible, you know, and of course, the way that they saw it was like, you know, his, his birthday, you know, and then on my paperwork, his birthday, and then on his paperwork, do you know the hospital you were born in? And then, you know, where was, where was your child born? And then, you know, it's a male, male, it's like, and then all of a sudden they were like, it has to be like, this just, it has to, this has to be. Like, How amazing. And, and what is your relationship with like him, with him now? Um, God kept his promise. I, I saw him again. Um, I actually was at his wedding. Oh my God. And 
um, which is the whole reason that he wanted to find me, but so that I could be at his wedding. Um, we are Facebook friends. We don't see each other. We don't talk. We don't, but that's not the, the that wasn't the promise. The promise was you know, not. You okay and you have a connection yeah. with him. And, and, you know, and I trust God for that. Like, I, I just, I trust it. Like people will go, oh, that's so sad. And I'm like, no, it's not. That wasn't the promise. The promise was that I would see him. And I did. And, and, and for you that who had been made to believe that you were so invisible to so many people here, he, you were not invisible to him. He wanted to find you. Yeah. That's so important. That's so, he, so special. Uh, that's a beautiful story. Thank you. It's, it is, it's just amazing. Um, would you like to describe personal, personalized science your system that combines science and spirituality and explain how the brain keeps us prisoner. Now that you've gone through all this and you've discovered, you've done so much healing and you've discovered so much for yourself. So tell yeah. us about personal science, uh, personalized science and how the brain keeps us prisoners to the past and reveal how each of us, which is important, can become the boss of our own brain. Have to. You have to become the boss of your own brain if you're going to change your life. You what does to. that mean? In other words, when certain negative thoughts come through, you go, no, 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 no. Or what does that mean? Well, so let me explain personalized science because you asked me to, and then, and then it will make more sense. So um, I'm a science freak. Um, and so cognition is how the brain works. And the, the way that the brain works is a circumstance happens outside of us. And we have millions of thoughts about it instantly. Most of them are subconscious thoughts. We don't even know what we're thinking. Then we have feelings, glad, mad, sad, afraid. The four basic, I call them feeling groups, right? Sad, mad, glad, afraid. Then we act on how we feel, which gives us a result. So people are like, explain it. So you wake up in the morning and you don't like the way that your breath is. So your breath is the circumstance. You, you think I need to brush my teeth. That I makes normal. you feel better. You go into the bathroom, you brush your teeth. The result is your breath is better. Your mouth feels amazing. You go on with your day. That is cognition. And we do it every single day automatically like robots. So the way to become the boss of your brain is let's say that you've used a manual toothbrush your whole life and you're at a dentist appointment and the dentist is like, throw away all of your manual toothbrushes. I now want you to use an electric toothbrush. We have to get on board with that. Some people will be like, oh, well, the dentist said, so, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it just because the dentist said it. And then there's those of us who are the rebel who are like, I've used the same toothbrush for 29 years and I'm using the same toothbrush and that's stupid. And then there are other people who are the critical thinkers naturally who are like, hmm, that's interesting. I wonder how I'm going to make that transition and what are the benefits and what are the this and the that. Those people naturally do 
And, they're, and, the, and those critical thinkers, by the way, are a very small percentage of the universe, just telling you. Because most people are either rebellers or the go-alongers. But regardless of what category you fall into, you have a core belief system that you developed in your childhood that runs your show until it doesn't anymore. And so we have to develop a new paradigm in order to have a new life. And that's the science part of it. And I studied the science part for a long time, kind of leaving the spirituality out of it. And I saw how dry and rote it becomes to just always think about your brain. So when you pull in spirituality with the science, it becomes magical <laughs> because we all have an, an invisible spiritual team, whether or not it's loved ones who crossed over or angels or guides or masters or gods or goddesses. Hey, you're bringing in the team to help you. You're bringing in the team. And then it just all ramps up to this whole new level of passion and happiness and joy and all of the things. And it doesn't, people are like, well, I mean, there's no such thing as a perfect life. Who wants that responsibility? I don't want a perfect, I don't want that responsibility and I don't want that boredom. So no, it's not about being perfect. It's about moving into a life where you're not creating these patterns over and over and over and over ending up miserable. Totally true. I couldn't agree more so for in your particular case when um you were found and saved by that professor and his wife they were the beginnings of you changing your pattern yeah and thinking about yourself in a different way then when you went for healing when you went for therapy and all that also helped you i'm i'm relating to it because as our listeners know i had similar tough experiences in my childhood too and i went to healing and all and it's really about learning to reprogram how you think yeah. to process differently. Yeah. Which opens a whole new world for you. So um, you say that, and by the way, I want to ask you, what did you end up majoring in? Because you said you changed your major. Yeah, my, um, my original um, major was just going to be, you know, like business management. And then that's when I just totally did a 180 in psychology and philosophy you totally makes you answered your calls as the healer you're meant to be um what are the cognitive behavioral systems that can help us connect more deeply with our souls you talk about that yes so the system of cognition is first of all being willing you have to be willing to look at your patterns that are keeping you stuck and heal those patterns because a lot of coaches do what I call forward thinking. It's like, oh, don't worry about all of that stuff. Just focus on making a million dollars. Well, your self-worth equals your self-worth. And you, if your self-worth is in the toilet, your wallet is probably also in the toilet or you have money, but you're just not very happy with it. And it's never enough. And it comes in and it leaves and all the things because your personal self-worth is all, is all junked up. So being willing to look at all of that is number one. Number two, 
staying curious. Like, what am I thinking? How am I feeling? You know, just understanding all of that. And then the third thing is understanding that your subconscious brain has a language. The language of the subconscious brain is, I don't know. It's too hard. I can't. So if you're walking around saying, I don't know, well, that's too hard. I can't do that. Understanding that your reptilian brain is keeping you the same. Because everything to our reptilian brain that's different is a threat. And so the system of cognition is learning these things so that you understand how you function. Because we are humans, but we are also machines. I mean, the brain is a machine. Unless you're damaged, brain damaged, everyone's brain works the exact same way. So it's learning that process and becoming aware. That's, what, that's really interesting. That is so interesting. Uh, as a transformation coach, what are the specific tools you use to help people break out of these unhealthy patterns and cycles? And would you like to share a story of about a person whose life you helped to totally transform? Absolutely. I mean, this is wonderful. I, and I, so many people, I know so many people who are so stuck and they don't yeah. understand. It's just about changing how they approach things or how they think about things would make all the difference to them. And I also want to say too, like there there are a lot of people who do a lot of self-work and, and are in therapy who are also stuck. So I just want to say that. Why do you say that is? Why do you, I've seen that too. Why do, you, why do you suppose that is? Because I, I think that they don't have the proper guidance to help them um, pivot just slightly from focusing on the problems all the time. And this just slight pivot to the possibility. And that's where my system comes in because the very first thing that I have people do is give me the vision for their life. And if they're like, I don't know, I can't, it's too hard. I'm like, well, that's because your reptilian brain is ruling you. So what if you did know, and what if it wasn't hard? And what if you could, what would the vision of your life be? And then people surprise themselves, Irene, so much when they get out of that frame of thinking and they just take the pen and pretend like it's a magic wand and just write down their vision for their life. Wow. A lot of times they don't even know what they've written. So we start there. You have to know what the vision of your life is first and, and, and really be very, very crystal clear about that vision. And then I teach people how to feel because I believe that there's a fifth, well, they've now come out with a fifth emotion called fawning. So I should say that there's a sixth emotion that I'll call numb. Wait, so uh, now you're teaching me something because I, not that I'm so open to learning. So, so tell us about the emotions and there's a sixth one that's, that's new on the, on the screen. So yeah, tell so, us about them. Yeah. So there's, there's four basic emotions. And if you can think of these basic emotions, sort of like when you go to Home Depot and you pick up the, the paint that you're going to 
try to find for your bedroom. And it's red, but they're all different shades of red. And there's green, but there's all different shades of green. We are glad, which a lot of emotions fall into glad. We are sad. We are mad. We are afraid. And then there's fawning, which is kind of the process of confusion. It's like it's it's just a state of confusion, which creates a whole nother bag of stuff. Wow. And then the sixth one is numb. We're just numb. We're just robotic, numb people. So I have to teach people how to feel. You know, are you blissful? Are you angry? Are you? But they're not in touch with it, though. So they're how not do you in touch, touch with, it? with it. No, not at all. Not at all. And so, you know, just acknowledging, acknowledging that. And then the next step is to meet ourselves with compassion. To look at ourselves as like that feral little kitten who is, you know, hissing and seems like they're a real terror, but inside we know that it's just fear, you know, because we beat ourselves up like 24 seven, most people, you know, from the time we get up in the morning, we look in the mirror, we're like, we have this tremendous critic. We have this critic talking all the time. Now, and oh man, your butt looks big in those jeans and oh, you're so stupid. And oh God, I can't believe that you forgot to pay that bill again. And of course you, you know, like we just do it all day long. So to introduce compassion to ourselves, people can really resonate with that too, because I'm not asking them to love themselves. I'm not asking them to forgive themselves. I'm just asking for a little piece of compassion and people really get on board with that. And then lastly, it's like commit, commit, which is in my world and my ball game, um, commitment is to me, it's key and it's everything. So I will just ask them, listen, I'm just asking for six months of your life. So to share with you um, very quickly, a story. So this man, Bruce came to me and this is a couple of years ago. He, he was jobless. He was penniless. Um, he mustered the money together to hire me. Um, he, he had, he was just lost. He was just lost. He was lost. So I said, Bruce, write a vision for your life. And he was like, yeah, okay. And I'm like, no, so we had to get to that. So the vision for his life was, you're going to love this. The vision for his life was he was going to work in, 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 uh, in a situation where he was loved, seen, heard, respected. He's in his 60s. Wow. So where he sets the rules, makes the money he wants to make, all the things that his house would be completely paid for. Um, and that all of his debt would be wiped clean. So a few weeks later, not months, not years, a few weeks later, he's at a party and in his neighborhood and he just happened to tell this man his situation and what was going on with his home and what was going on. And his neighbor purchased his house for him. 
Oh my goodness. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> Talk about having people on the other side helping you. With no strings attached. Oh my God. Right? Wow. Yes. And he's in a career that he loves where he sets his own pace. He's seen, he's heard, he's respected, he's loved, he's dead, all the things, all the things, all the things, all the things. Wow. Now that part took a little while longer because he did not believe that it could happen. Especially to him. To him. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so my work helps people start believing. Right. And you put him in touch with his feelings and his emotions. And he was actually able to be forthcoming with this neighbor. He probably in the past would have never said anything. Yeah. Would no, not have said a word. That's a wonderful story. Really, yeah. Allison. Tell us about your program called Unapologetic Power, which we are kind of talking about it with this guy, which helps a person shift into a happier, calmer, more loving human being. Can we sprinkle that onto the planet, please? <laughs> that your lips to God's ear. I oh mean, my gosh. When I when I answered the calling to be a group coach, I was like, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, listen, I'm very passionate about, about what I do, you know. Um, but I was just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like I was just, I was one of those coaches that was coaching people from eight o'clock in the morning until nine o'clock at night. Wow. And so I was like, Alton. I, I want you to help more people and you're not, there's only one of you. Right. And so I started the coaching program. Um, there's 47 people in it right now. Um, it'll, it always, it's always fluctuating because people graduate and leave people graduate and sign up again. People, new people are always coming in, but, um, do you do it online, Allison, or do you do it? I do it online. Yes, it's online. I've clients. When we talk about the the uh, connect, the ways to connect with you, tell people about that because they may be interested. Yeah, so you can go to my website, AllisonRoberts.com. Um, and if you're listening and not watching, so you can't see the spelling of my name up here, is A L L Y S O N, AllisonRoberts.com. Um, and I always recommend everyone that wants to try me out is that. Every other month, I have a class that's called Painless Pivots to Power, and it's twenty-seven dollars. It's the it's the the best twenty-seven dollars that you're going to spend on your life probably ever, um, because I teach you how to believe that you're enough, and I teach you how to believe that you are worthy. And I teach you how to believe that you are lovable and whole. And I teach you how to believe that it's your birthright. Because you see, we can't make changes if we don't believe first. That's why affirmations don't work. When people walk around saying, you know, I am rich, I am rich, and they can't rub two pennies. They don't believe it, right? Yeah, they, they don't believe they don't buy it. buy it from really deep inside. Right, exactly. I mean, most of our core beliefs are, uh, I'm going to be rejected. I don't matter. Um, I'm a disappointment. Everyone abandons me. Life is chaotic. And that's just the way it is. I have to control everything to be safe. 
you know, I've got to hold this all together. I'm not enough. Like those are our core beliefs. And so I teach you how to adopt a whole new set of core beliefs and it works. I mean, I don't know if you know this, Irene, but Feedspot um, for two years running has awarded me the title of top 100 coaches in the world. That's fantastic. Yeah. And that's because they study my work and they know that it works. It works, guys. It's wonderful. Wonderful. When you talk about the spiritual team, just where people, uh, people, do you know specific people or, or guides or whatever who are on that team? Can you tell people about that? Who can, does, do we each have a team? We do each have a team. Um, are they you know, guides? Yeah, guides, teams, everything. Um, but I do want to tell people this. Like, I do have atheists who work with me. Oh, that's because, interesting, too. Yeah, because I believe that spirituality is not just outside of us, but it's also within. Our spirituality is within. And so if someone doesn't believe at all, or they're just starting to believe or whatever, um, it's it's fine. And here's the thing is that um, an atheist will laugh when I say this, but your gut, your masters and guides, guys, they don't care if you believe or not. They don't care. It's none of their business. And so they work with you and guide you if whether you believe in them or not, because that's how much the universe loves us. That's how much they care. Yes. Wow. Exactly. So here's another question. You have your remarkable new book is titled Behind the Power, Raw Courage to Triumph Over Challenges and Connect with What's Possible. Tell us about your refreshing take on trauma and how do we heal it? All these people walking around this planet traumatized, especially yeah. these days, Allison. Yeah. The refreshing take on it is that, you know, trauma does not have to be this big thing. I mean, one of my clients, she, when she came to me, um, I mean, it, it was, to make a really long story short, it was a mess. <laughs> That's just the best way to say it. And what we came to realize is that the reason that she had so much trauma is because the next door neighbor girl that she grew up with never wanted to play with her. Wow. And we, I mean, it took us a while to, to, you know, to, to unearth that. Um, but I think that people compare their trauma, you know, and if a shark bit you, but I was just stung by a jellyfish, then my jellyfish thing doesn't matter because you're missing a leg. And so they discount themselves and say, oh, well, my, my trauma was nothing. Yes. Yes, it was, you know, trauma, just, just for anyone who may not know the definition of trauma, trauma is any event that changes your, your view of the world and of yourself. That's what trauma is. And so the boy in school that didn't like you, if it made you start changing how you looked at yourself, oh, I must be disgusting. My thighs must be too fat or my hair is not this way or that way. And all of a sudden you don't trust any guys because that's trauma. Yep. That is 
trauma and that needs to be healed and it can be healed. And that's the other refreshing take on trauma. So how is it healed? All trauma is healable. Wow. And you're, you're, you're walking living proof of it. So am I. Um, But so uh, how do you suggest people heal it? Do you have, um, is it a one size fits all or different roads to healing for different people or through your program, you have a a special way to help people address their trauma? I do. Um, And I mean, I have every walk of life in my group. You know, I have gay people whose parents put, tried to put them through straight therapy. I have, you know, straight people who thought they were gay. I have, you know, people of color who were discriminated against and, you know, there's just, there's everything, but here's, but here's the thing about the program is that because I base it on how the brain works, everybody has a brain. So therefore it works for everyone because I base it on your brain, not what you went through. Uh So you base it on what processed the trauma. Yeah. What the trauma did to your brain and what you can do to heal that trauma. Yeah. Very cool. Wow. That's great. And you also say that when we heal, it creates a ripple effect in every part of our lives. And boy, do I know that too. Why is it so, so tell us, because this is the kernel, the mission of this podcast of all people, Allison, why is it so important for each of us to heal and talk about that ripple effect? Yes. So if you go to a pond, which I encourage all of you now to find one as quickly as you can, Go to a pond and pick up different size rocks from big rocks to little bitty pebbles and throw it, throw them individually one at a time into the water. Here's the thing. The water has to ripple. It's the way that it works. The water can't say, well, I'm not going to ripple for Irene's pebble. I'm only going to ripple for Allison's rock. No. So it has to ripple. And that's because water is energy. Well, so are we. People are energy. And so if you are the rock and you throw yourself into the pond of your life in a healing fashion, you are going to create a ripple effect that is going to carry all the way through generations that's going to carry all the way through in every single area of your life, from your health, to your sex life, to your dating world, to your married life, to your financial life, to your career, to your calling, your purpose, your passion, all the things. And when people tell me, I don't know that I necessarily believe that, I say, well, what kind of ripple effect has your trauma caused? And then they're like, oh, oh, oh. I'm like, well, healing also causes a ripple effect. So you're saying it's, it's important for each of us to heal so that the ripple effect is a positive effect that goes through society, through all the people we touch, all the people who we, who our lives affect. 
Yeah, because what happens is, and I find this a lot with people, is that they want everyone else to change so that they can finally be happy. And while that's great and wonderful to think about, and it exists in all the Disney movies, it's not reality. It's not reality. People are not, they do not change to match what we want them to be. And if they do, then you're manipulating them. And that's very dangerous territory. So if you want the people around you to change and treat you better, become better. You have to change. Authentically. I, I have experienced that in my family. I did so much healing and changing that there were people who changed. They had a choice. They could have stayed the same, but in response. Yeah. They also did their healing and it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Tell us about your workshops. Tell us about your programs. Tell us about everything you've got planned. And once again, let us know the best ways for everybody. We'll spell out again. It's A-L-L-Y-S-O-N-R-O-B-E-R-T-S. Dot com right and yes. tell us all about what you're doing because i'm sure people are going to want to get involved and sign up and and uh take yeah, so, an opportunity to heal <laughs> yeah so i'm so excited because um i do a live event every year in atlanta uh in october it's called behind the power and it's based on my book series um this year the the subtitle of behind the power is um you're not crazy, you're powerful, because a lot of people think that they're crazy and they're not, they're powerful. Um, but we are doing it um, in Atlanta. So if you want to find out more information about that, that's on my website. Mm-hmm. Um, I also encourage everyone to sign up for Painless Pivots to Power. Our next one is going to be in May, and then they're in, it's in July, and then it'll be in September, and then we go right into behind the power event um, in Atlanta. You can either come in person or you can come virtually. But the thing that I tell people, they're like, why should I come? Why should I come to these events, Allison? Um, Why should I join up with Painless Pivots to Power? Why, 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 why? Um, The biggest thing I want to tell you is that if you feel like your life is out of alignment and you are ready, truly ready to be in alignment for not only your greater purpose, but just to be in, in alignment with your calm and the peace inside of yourself. You need to meet me. That's wonderful. Terrific. I agree. <laughs> I Great. It's wonderful. And, and um, we will put links and we will have um, different ways for all of you to um, access Allison's events. Now that she's part of our healing community, which is so great. And Allison, of all people in the world, what is your tip for finding joy in life? Um, for finding joy? Is it about healing? Yeah, I, you know, when I find my joy cup running a little empty, um, I love to put my three-year-old grandson in my lap and look into his beautiful eyes and remind myself that I'm a cycle breaker and that he will never in a million years ever have to even know what it feels like to grow up in the environment that 
I grew up in because I, I broke that cycle with my daughter. And just to see what an amazing, beautiful mom she is and the lo- all the love that is inside of him because he's never even known. He's not uh, known. Uh, Alice and I were talking before our interview, everyone, and, and I so relate to everything Alice and saying because I did all this healing from my trauma also. And my family, I have a son, and, and everything is like what you're saying with your daughter. He, he does not, I changed all those patterns. And I see it in my grandchildren. They will never have to struggle with those issues that I did. It's just a, such a, it is joy. It is. And, you know, and I, I've had um, moms and dads come to me where their, their kids are already grown, you know, and either they, um, they went through some kind of addiction or, or maybe, you know, they didn't leave um, a dysfunctional spouse and take the kids. And so, you know, they're like, Allison, it's too late. It is never too late. It is never too late. I just, I have to say that like so um, powerfully from my heart space because I have seen, I have seen my own clients go back to their adult children and authentically apologize in the, there is a way to ask for forgiveness and there's a way to not ask for forgiveness. And they go through our system in unapologetic power and they go back to those grown children and authentically ask for forgiveness. And I mean, it's like years of years of a big mess just get like poof. I mean, it's 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 incredible to to witness that. Amazing. And you know, for you. It must be so wonderful for you over and over and over again to see with all that you've been through and all the ways you've healed, how many people you're helping to heal, how many people's lives you're touching and affecting. Oh, I jump out of bed. I mean, I have the same experience with this podcast. It's I just do. Like I jump out of bed. Like I, every morning I'm like, I'm so, because I also do one-on-one sessions inside of my group um, program. And so every single day I'm meeting one-on-one with these am- amazing, I call them magic makers because that's what they turn into, that's you know, right. and it's, it's so amazing. It's so wonderful. I'm just so glad to, to meet you and to know about your work. I, you have an insightful quote that I especially resonate with because it speaks directly to the healing mission of grief and rebirth podcasts. And that is, it's our responsibility as co-creators to heal our wounds. Why? So we don't bleed on those who haven't cut us. How profound, Allison. And in that spirit, I want to thank you for the transformative healing work you are contributing to our world by helping people shift into happier, more loving, more authentic, and more powerful human beings. And I also thank you from my heart for this very special interview that has surely illumined many personal journeys towards And here is a reminder, everyone, that you can see the show notes and all grief and rebirth podcast episodes on IreneWeinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us on social at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and especially on YouTube. Hit like, 
notify, subscribe, and amazing interviews like this one with Allison will be coming to you. And as I like to say, to be continued, many blessings, and bye for now. Mm -hmm.